Thanks for listening to the teaching podcast for People of Hope Church. To learn more about our ministry in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, visit peopleofhope.church. Good morning. Welcome to church. Um, This morning we are rolling right along with our series called Details, walking verse by verse through the Sermon on the Mount, trying to lean in and listen to how Jesus wants us to live in his kindness. He has given us in this passage some specific ways he wants us to respond to the challenges of life, the ways that he wants us to handle our desires and impulses and how he wants us to function in these relationships. I want you to picture what was going on in this moment in Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. Jesus there on the shores of the Sea of Galilee went up on the mountainside and sat down on the rocks and gathered to himself those who were believing in him, his followers, his disciples. But it was more than just those 11 or 12. It was those who had already found in their hearts, this is the one we've been waiting for. This really is the awaited Messiah. This is Jesus that we're going to follow and give our lives to. And wherever he's going, we're going. And whatever he says, we want to be all about that. And so there, they're huddled around him. He's seating on the rocks. The sea is in the background. There he begins to teach. And today we're wrapping up the whole segment called the Beatitudes, the blessed statements. And he's been giving us these things, and none of them are easy, are they? They're really, really tough. He says, when you are poor in spirit, congratulations, blessed are you, you are right where God wants you, you're in a great position. And that that just sounds really difficult to us. And today is no exception. We are looking at the verses this morning where we're going to examine how Jesus looks us in the eye and says, when people are unkind to you, when people are cruel to you, when people mistreat you or leave you out, when people threaten you, when people want to run you out of town, when people lie about you, when people even beat you up or threaten to kill you because of your faith and the way you live as a follower of Jesus, blessed are you. (laughs) You see, the Sermon on the Mount is a stretching word. It is a challenging word. And honestly, Jesus wants all of us to come to each of these parts of the teaching and hear him call us and invite us to a radical life of following him and this discipleship life. And he wants all of us to have this kind of a reaction. That's the call. That's the invitation. That's how you want us to react. I can't do that. And Jesus would look at each of us and says, if you're in a posture of saying, I can't, you're right where I want you. Because we can't, but God can through us. Amen? And that's our hope today, not in our own strength, not in our own ability. And maybe this is your first week at People of Hope. Welcome, we're glad you're here. Maybe this is your first week in church ever, or in two months, or two years, or two decades. Welcome. But you need to know God's Word, the Bible, is challenging and stretching all of us because none of us in this room have all of our junk together. None of us are perfect. So if you are a work in progress, welcome. You're in the right place. We're all leaning in together today listening to Jesus, and in his kindness, he hasn't minced words. He said, here's how I want you to live. You ready to dive in? Let's go. Open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5, verse 10. It's going to come up on your screen. 
or you may have it there on your device. And I do want to remind you that if you don't own a copy of the Bible that's easy to read, if you don't have your own copy of the Scriptures, we'd love to give you one. We keep extras on hand for that purpose. If you'll stop by the little starting point center in the lobby and say, hey, can I have one of the Bibles? They'll give it to you. It's yours. You don't have to pay for it. It's our gift to you. We want everybody who wants or needs a Bible to have one. And so uh, just stop by there if you don't have one, and we'll take care of it. We'd love to bless you with that. Verse 10, Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Is anybody stretched already? Wait a minute. You said lie, insult, persecute. Where does rejoicing come in? Rejoice and be glad. Because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's our focus this morning, those three verses. And let's back up, and I kind of want to unpack this for us uh, bit by bit as we move through this study and try to understand what Jesus is trying to teach us. The first word we get there is blessed, and we've been talking about that word every week, but the idea of blessed is congratulations, it must really be good to be you if that's where you are, if that's what you're experiencing, if that's what you're going through, if that's your posture, if this is your reaction to your circumstances, if you're in that season, if you're in that mode, stay right there. (laughs) If you're poor in spirit, if you're persecuted for living a godly life, for righteousness. You're right where God wants you. Congratulations. It's a good place. It's good to be you. This idea of being right where God wants us, that's the idea of the word blessed. Now let's keep rolling. He says, blessed are those who are persecuted. What does it mean to be persecuted? If we're really honest, most of us in the West, in the Western Hemisphere, in North America, in the Bible Belt, we have very little understanding of what real persecution is. True? Most of us have never been threatened for loving Jesus. Most of us have never had to hide our Bible or to meet and gather for worship in secret. Most of us have never known true persecution, although some are experiencing it. It could be that because you love Jesus, And because you refuse to participate in some ungodly things, people at your school treat you differently. Or it could be that people at your work leave you out, or people snicker about you, or they give you a hard time, or they judge you or make fun of you. It could be even worse than that, though. It could be that an employer or someone else or a coach or somebody is leading you to compromise and they're calling you out to cheat a little bit and they're inviting you to cut some corners and falsify the paperwork or or just, oh, don't worry about it, nobody will ever know. And if you're standing up for righteousness, it could actually be a moment where you're trying to do the right thing and those people are punishing you because you're not willing to cut corners, not willing to cheat, not willing to falsify, not willing to just go with something that's not right. To be persecuted is to be harassed or mistreated. In the original language here, the Bible in the New Testament was copied or or written in Greek, and the, the understanding there is actually to be chased or to be run off. To be persecuted is to be hounded a little bit. 
Or someone is just like, get out of here. We don't want you around here. We're going to run you off. You're messing with our world. You're, you're kind of muddying things up with all of your righteous talk and wanting to do things the right way and wanting to be pure and all those kind of things. Get on out of here. But the reality is persecution and genuine um, suffering among Christians is happening in our world every single day of the year. Right now on planet Earth in 2019, people are being mistreated. They are being singled out. They are being abused and run off and pursued. They are actually being, um, there's violence happening against Christians right now in the world in 2019. Probably today, somewhere in the world, someone is being threatened with their very life for following Jesus. There's an organization out there called Voice of the Martyrs. Maybe you've heard about them. If you haven't and you have a passion for these kind of things, jump on their website, Voice of the Martyrs, and look and see what's going on. And you can see a prayer calendar and lots of ways you can stay up to date with how God's people are struggling and suffering around the world. And, and I was reading a story. I want to make sure I get this person's name right. I was reading a story this morning um, that um, Asenath, and this is a woman in Egypt, and she has had to flee Egypt here in recent weeks and go to a neighboring country because her father and her brother are trying to kill her. Just imagine that your family has turned on you this way. This is literally the definition of being persecuted. It's a Muslim country, and she has chosen to follow Jesus. And her father and her brother, the response to her is, and this was the word the father used, it says it in the story, he decided she was a virus to the family and literally chased her to go to another country to flee for her life. Persecution is real, and this is why this teaching is so hard, and we're just trying to be honest about it. Jesus looks us in the eye and goes, you're being persecuted? Blessed are you. Congratulations. You're right where you need to be. Persecuted is one of those things where most of us don't have a lot of experience of it, but it is going on all around us. I want you to hear clearly today that Jesus is telling us how to react and to view persecution because it is something we should expect. I don't know how our culture and our world is going to be in the next 10 years or 20 years, um, but my sense is, is that the heat on Christians is going to get turned up in the next 10 or 20 years. The, the freedom and the permission for us to follow God and to hold to the beliefs that we consider biblical, it's going to be more and more difficult. Jesus wants us to know how to handle persecution because it's something we should expect. Jesus is a stumbling stone to a lot of people. Jesus is, believe it or not, offensive to people because the Bible says all of us have sinned and we in our pride as humans were like, I'm not messed up. You may be messed up, but I haven't sinned. Don't tell me I need to change my life. And we bow up in our pride. And the Bible and Jesus come with this thought that says, if you'll lay down your life, and if you'll repent, and if you will follow Jesus, instead of following yourself, you can be saved. 
Jesus is offensive to people because Jesus says, there's this real thing called sin and everyone is a participant and it must be dealt with. But praise be to God, in his kindness and in his grace, God did not leave us as helpless under the guilt of our sin, but he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross and God took up this method of execution, this cross, this Roman method of execution, God took it and made it an altar. And he sacrificed Jesus as the lamb to pay for the guilt of your sins and my sins. That's the amazing good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That though all of us have sinned and all of us deserve judgment, we know no way could have a relationship with God. There's no way we could do enough good deeds to make up for our own filthy hearts. God made a way for us to have a relationship with him. God made a way for us to be forgiven. God made a way when we didn't deserve a way. So Jesus is offensive to people and they have a reaction to him. But what they're missing is Jesus is himself good news. Because you don't have to stand before God someday and hope that you can squeak by and that he'll let you in on your good deeds because that's not what heaven is all about. That's not what salvation is all about. Your place in heaven is not determined by your good works. Your place in heaven is determined by whether or not you have faith in Jesus and his good works. Persecution is something every Christian should expect because to identify with Jesus and to believe the Bible is offensive to those who don't know God. So Jesus sits there above the Sea of Galilee on the rocks and he's looking us in the eye and they just keep coming. Blessed are these and blessed are these and oh my goodness, I can't, I can't. How could I? This is so hard. And he gets to this one. If people want to beat you up, if they're telling lies about you, if they are looking at your life and you're trying to be pure and godly and righteous and they are absolutely mistreating you for that, awesome. Lord, I, I can't, I can't, I, I, I'm probably more predisposed to avoid the persecution by trying to dial down the fact that I'm a Jesus follower. Hello? But Jesus says there's something blessed about that life. Let's keep rolling. So blessed, and then those are the persecuted, by the way, um, we should stop and pray for Asenath right now. This woman in, uh, who's born in Egypt and her father and her brother are trying to kill her. A, I read about her this morning on the Voice of the Martyrs website. This is a real woman in the recent weeks has had to flee her homeland because her dad and her brother are literally trying to kill her. They've said she's a virus to the family. Let's pray for her right now. God, we pray for Asenath wherever she is, uh, whatever she's doing. We know that you see her right this second. And that um, whatever she's doing, Lord, if she's sleeping or if she's awake, whatever, Lord, I pray that you would just pour out peace over her life. And I pray, God, that she would be comforted and encouraged. And I pray, Lord, that her testimony would bear fruit for her father and for her brother. 
I pray that they would see her joy and her new life and that they would hear the good news of Jesus and believe. Protect Asenath, O Lord. I pray that she would know a sense of what it is to be blessed when those are coming after her. We lift her up today in Jesus' name. Amen. Righteousness. So Jesus is teaching here in verse 10, blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness. So what is righteousness? There's a, there's a lot of definitions we could give, and it has to do in salvation with right standing before God. You're acceptable to God. But the usage that Jesus is using here has to do with right living, how you live your life, choosing to live and think and react in God-honoring obedience. These... <laughs> This little list of words here, choosing to live and think, that's, that's a challenge, but it's the react word we often struggle with the most, right? Like, like when stuff comes my way or someone gets in my path or when someone wants to cut me down or someone wants to tell a lie about me, often we struggle with a righteous reaction. And God cares not only how you act, but God cares about how you react in your school, in your home on your team, in your workplace, in your family, in your neighborhood. God cares how we live, how we think, how we act. And righteousness, this right living, is Jesus saying, as you go about your day and your aim and your choices reflect God-honoring obedience, I want to honor God with my thoughts, my actions, and my reactions. This is the righteousness And Jesus said, people are going to persecute us for our righteousness. Some of you, as you try to do the right thing, you're going to be misunderstood. Some people would be offended. But it is absolutely important that you do not waver, that you do not compromise, that you continue to live according to how God would want you to live What does right living look like? Let me throw out a few words for you here. Um, They're not up on your screen this morning, but just some things for you to think about. Just in general, a godly lifestyle. Am I living a godly lifestyle? Let's let's break that down a little bit further. Um, Could it be said that the way I live, I'm living with integrity? That's a right living. Definition, we've probably all heard this before. Integrity is doing what's right even when no one's looking. That's righteous living. I'm living with integrity. Trying to do the right thing. Another word is purity. There's a lot of filth. There's a lot of garbage. There's a lot of just absolutely twisted, beautiful things in our world. You think about sexuality and how money is supposed to be used and how food is supposed to be consumed and all these kind of things. There's a lot of twisting and corruption of the beautiful things that God has put forward. And God has called his people to live pure lives. That has to do with right living, purity. Are you walking in purity right now? Another word that came to mind as I was thinking about is modesty. That's a a righteous life, a godly life. Are you walking in modesty? Another word is generosity. That's not worldly, that's godly. The world's not generous. 
the world is full of let me get what's for me. Are you walking in generosity? Another word is grace forgiveness. Are you showing people grace forgiveness, meaning undeserved kindness that leads to you forgiving what they've done to you? Grace forgiveness. Undeserved kindness forgiving what they've done to you. That's not worldly. That's godly. Maybe we could include here addressing injustice. When you see something that's not right, you step in to help make it right. When you see one mistreated, someone marginalized, someone who's being trafficked, someone who's being persecuted, someone who's being um, abused, um, you step in. Someone who's being bullied, you step in. That's the right thing to do. And almost everyone in the room had a mom, and your mom taught you to do the right thing. Right living. As you do this, you can expect to be persecuted. When Jesus said this, a lot of the people there on the hillside over the Sea of Galilee might have been thinking about a verse. A lot of them were, were Jewish people and they knew the Old Testament law and the word uh, there and the laws of the, the words of the prophets. And they might have been thinking about uh, Isaiah 51, verse 7. Listen to this. It says, Hear me, you who know what is right, you people who have taken my instruction to heart. Do not fear the reproach of mere mortals or be terrified by their insults. You know what is right. Do not be afraid of them. This is a call to stand up and to do what is right, even though there may be resistance. So that's righteousness. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What's the kingdom of heaven about? Well, we actually studied this in verse 3. Do you remember that? Blessed are the poor in spirit, for for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. The idea of the kingdom of heaven is, is that this is the present and future reign of Christ. Theologians talk about this as the now and not yet. The now and the not yet. Jesus right now is reigning in heaven, true? Jesus is reigning in hearts, But there will come a day when Jesus is physically, visibly reigning on the earth. Until then, though, Jesus is not limited. Jesus is not restricted. Jesus is not powerless about the things of earth because Jesus is God and Jesus is sovereign, meaning he has all authority everywhere, all the time. But the kingdom of heaven is now, but not yet. Salvation has come to you if you have believed in Jesus and determined to follow him as a disciple and to make him the Lord and leader of your life. Salvation has come to you, right? Hello? That's yet. That's now. But the not yet is you've not yet entered into the perfection of eternity yet in heaven. There's a now and a not yet. There's a now and a not yet. There's some healing in the room. Some of you have been sick and you've been made well That's the now, but you're not yet in heaven where you'll be whole. That's awesome. There's the now and the not yet. And so what Jesus is calling the people to understand here is this world that you're doing every day, this 
this traffic you're struggling against, this, these bills you're trying to pay, these little, little relationships you're trying to navigate, this is not all there is. You're eight decades on this earth. You're nine decades on this earth. You're even 10 or 11 decades. Go for it. You can do it. 11 decades on this earth. Those, that's not all there is. So think beyond. Because you and I are going to live in heaven with God when life on this earth is done. So stop being so focused on how it feels down here. Because your decades, however many you get, are but a blip in the endless scope of eternity. This is our now, but we've not even contemplated the not yet that never ends. And Jesus is saying, blessed are you if you're persecuted. Hold on. Don't think this is all about right here and what's happening here and the mistreatment here because there's a not yet coming for you. That's what Jesus is trying to teach. There's a not yet coming for you. When the people of, uh, uh, of those listening to Jesus would have heard this, they would have likely begun to think about kingdoms on earth, David's kingdom. They would have thought about the, the, the Messiah they were waiting for, that in the Jewish culture they were thinking, he's going to come and just take names and just go at it and clean house and just deal with things and deal with people. They misunderstood that Jesus would come. They thought he would come like a, a warrior king in the line of David, and they didn't understand he would come as a suffering servant. They were also likely thinking of Roman occupation because in the ancient Near East, in this moment, while Jesus was teaching, Rome was occupying this place and Rome was in charge. And the people weren't truly free because Rome was there oppressing them in a lot of different ways. And as the people heard this idea of a kingdom and a kingdom of heaven, it was meant to be comforting to them. It was meant to be encouraging to them. Jesus goes on. So blessed are the persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Put all that together real quick, just real quick. <laughs> Congratulations. If you're being persecuted, you're right where I need you to be. It's good to be you. Congrats, 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 because you're going to get to taste the not yet. You, you think this is all there is, but hold on. You know, it's rough right now, and I agree. It is rough. Some of you are being mistreated. Some of you are being tortured. Some of you are even being killed. But hold on. There's a not yet waiting for you. That's what Jesus is teaching. And then he goes on. He begins to repeat this line again, but he gets a little bit more specific. He says in verse 11, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you. Because of me. When you're being persecuted, when people are insulting you because of Christ, not just because you cut them off in traffic and they're insulting you, or not just because you decided to wear purple and bright green together on a, on a Tuesday that they're insulting you, but they're insulting you because you identify with Jesus. It's Jesus saying, blessed are you when people mistreat you because they see you're with me. 
That's what Jesus is getting to in this. Because of me. Let's talk about the because of me statement for a moment. This is because you openly love me. You openly follow me and choose to believe in me and obey me. And I hope that in your school, in your neighborhood, at your job, in your family, I hope that you are openly following. I hope that people identify you with Jesus. I hope that people see and know that you're a Jesus person that you're a Christian, that you're a follower of Christ, not that you're religious, not that you're even a churchgoer, but that you're a Jesus person that you love and treasure and follow and even obey Jesus. Because to you, he's not just a person from the Bible. To you, he's not just the guy you celebrate at Christmas and Easter. To you, he's the Lord and King of your life. To you, he's the lamb who gave himself for the price of sin and he never sinned a day in his life. I hope that you identify with Jesus and that it's open in your world. You remember in the story when Jesus was arrested and they went to the, to, the, to the place where they were going to put him on trial and they were there in the courtyard and someone said about the apostle Peter, the disciple Peter, hey, I think he was with them. And Peter refused to be identified with Jesus. Uh-uh, I'm not with them. Some of you grew up in church, you know this story. How many times did Peter deny being identified with Jesus? Three times. No. Don't link me with him. He did not want to be identified with him. I had my own experience with something like this when I was in high school. Um, I would leave my high school at the end of the day and head to what's next, all kinds of stuff going on uh, at church and at work or wherever I was going. And there was this sort of glut happening at the one gate exiting the parking lot. And all these cars were trying to exit the parking lot at the same time. And while the cars were exiting, I, someone, the design was messed up. It just should have been better. But while all the cars are exiting, all the students are coming out of the building at the same time. So they're walking in and amongst the cars that are trying to exit the gate. So 50 cars, one gate, 100 students mingling through all this. I'm sure it wasn't safe, but it was the 80s. We did lots of things that weren't safe. It's fine. We're mostly okay. Most of us. But there were moments, I can vividly see it right now, where it was a beautiful day and I'd get in my car and I'd crank up some Christian music and I have a vivid memory of pulling up to the gate and starting to intermingle with the people going in and around my car and I vividly remember turning down the volume because I wasn't sure what they would think of me in Christian music. Maybe you have your own kind of version of that story, not about music, but some other way that you have not been so open with your love and following of Jesus. But Jesus says it's blessed if you're persecuted for being with me, for being identified with me. Do not be afraid, dear ones, to identify as a Jesus person. And it is so important that we identify with Jesus, not just generically with God, but with Jesus specifically. There are lots of religions and lots of, just to be honest, some cults out there who throw around the word God. But we are the people of Jesus, amen? And our hope is in Jesus. And there's only one name under heaven by which people can be saved, and that's Jesus. 
And we want to be identified with Jesus, not just a religion or a, or a denomination or, or just a, uh, you know, a spiritual group or just a generic God. We want to be identified with the unique, only one Son of God. Son of God, who is the way to a relationship with God. And when you identify with Jesus, we talked about it already, there's going to be a reaction. You add Jesus into the conversation and the, the air changes a little bit. You know what I'm talking about? It just gets real specific. We need to be enthusiastic about identifying with Jesus. His name causes a reaction, and this is what Jesus is teaching those who follow him. Look what he says in the, the passage, though. He says, I want you to rejoice and be glad if this happens. <laughs> Find a way to rejoice if people are insulting you for following Jesus. Find a way to be glad if people are lying about you. That's one of the worst things, isn't it? When people make up untrue stories about you. Sabotaging you. Actively working for your downfall and destruction. If people do that to you because you're a Jesus person, Rejoice and be glad. Is that an I can't moment or what? God, I can't do that, but I'm depending on your Holy Spirit to produce that kind of fruit in me that comes out of my life. When you have this understanding, he says, rejoice and be glad because your great, you, there, re, great is your reward in heaven. Let's talk about the reward passage for just a bit. What in the world does this mean? Hello, there are rewards. And I don't mean just like Chick-fil-A points or so many Starbucks stars or whatever. Great are your rewards in heaven. First of all, this is important. Do not spend a lot of your time trying to figure out uh, exactly what the rewards are going to be. Well, I was looking through the book of Daniel, and I think uh, one of the second um, chariots that was coming through, and then the image of the pizza that came down out of the sky means that, no, no, by the way, there's no pizza in the book of Daniel, as far as I know. If it were, I'd quote that often. I love pizza. Don't spend a lot of energy trying to figure out what the rewards are. But here's what we know. <laughs> Can we agree on a few things? First of all, it's a reward. Sounds good. I'm on board with that. Second of all, it's from Jesus. Okay, thumbs up still. Really good thumbs up. He does good things for us. I love his teaching when he says about asking, seeking, knocking in prayer. My goodness, if your earthly fathers know how to give you good gifts, how much more so will your Father in heaven give to those who ask? If that's his heart and that's his goodness and his kindness and his overflowing uh, thoughtfulness toward us, whatever he's cooking up, it's a good thing. We can agree on that. It's a, re it's a reward. It's from Jesus. And then he says it's great, for great is your reward. And that's not just a descriptive word. Uh, how was the movie? It was great. That's not like the reward, but in the Greek here, Jesus says great, which means many and much. For many and much is your reward. I don't think grammatically that works real well as you're talking to people. Many and much is your reward. It's abundant. 
Your God is not stingy. Hello? Your God does not dispense his kindness in a little teaspoon or an eyedropper. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, First John says, that we should be called the children of God. Jesus says, I go from you in John 14. But if I go, I go to prepare a place for you. So do you realize that from this day, from that day until the day of Jesus when he comes back for us, he's working on a place. What kind of place could he build? It's a reward. It's from him and it's great and it's many and it's in heaven. Hello, can we all stipulate that that's a good, good place? That's a good thing. Jesus is giving this as a comfort, not an incentive. None of us need to go around trying to figure out how to get persecuted so we'll have a bigger reward. Just clarifying today. It's not an incentive, it's a comfort. Those of you who are being persecuted, being lied about, being threatened, being abused, those of you who are being mistreated, if you're experiencing violence because you identify with me, there's a not yet for you. And in the not yet, in the kingdom of heaven, more than you imagine is coming your way. So hold on. Hang on. And don't get too distracted by the decades here. Let your heart rise up in confidence about the millennia. Great is its reward. And then Jesus finishes here with a little note. He says, for in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. What does that phrase mean? The prophets um, who were before you. Prophets were those who represented God in specific places. Prophets were those who brought messages from God to people in specific places. So, hello, we're sitting here listening to Jesus. He's talking to us. And so Jesus is reminding each and every one of us today that we are representing him in the places where he's planted us. We are often carrying messages from God to the people on our teams to the people at our jobs, to the people in our families, to the people in our neighborhoods. We are representing God. And that's going to often come with resistance. In these places, as you carry a message of hope on behalf of God to specific people, you're going to find rejection it will not always be well received, but you should rejoice and wait for the reward. What's the reward? Don't worry about it. It's from him. <laughs> it's in heaven. It's much many. It's going to be great. So don't be afraid to live every day in the now while clinging to the not yet of the kingdom of heaven. Because that will sustain you. And throughout the centuries, men and women have been drowned for loving Jesus. They have been beheaded for loving Jesus. 
They have been burnt at the stake for loving Jesus. And do you know what enabled them to endure? It was the confidence that this is not the end. And can I add a little reality here for all of us? All of us live forever somewhere. Everyone lives forever. It's a question of where. Prophets were persecuted before you, so we should understand they were representatives, we're representatives. They brought messages, we bring messages, and it's not always going to be well received. So let me summarize some of these. It's going to come up on your screen for you uh, this morning. Just a little bit of summary as we're trying to do here in the Sermon on the Mount. If you are choosing to do what is right and honest and pure and godly, that will often result in mistreatment. Congratulations. Because you're right where God wants you. And if your affection for Jesus is unhidden, if your commitment to his word and his ways is uncompromising, if you are open and clearly a follower of Jesus, then you should expect resistance or even worse. But that's all right. This world is not our home. Amen? But you are right where God wants you. And someday God will reward your devotion in the face of mistreatment or suffering. Last thing I want to bring to you this morning out of this is a question. Just from a shepherd to some sheep. Just because I love you and I care about you. I want to ask you a question. I need you to certainly not answer out loud. But I need you to honestly wrestle with this morning while you're at church. This is the question. Would it surprise people in your circle that you are a Jesus follower? Would it surprise people in your circle? What's my circle? Places I go, the people that, who know my name and I know theirs. Home, work, school, team, neighborhood, family. Would it surprise them that I'm a Jesus follower. If it would, that doesn't say something about you needing to work harder to inject Bible verses in the conversation. It says something about our devotion. You, you don't need to take that and go figure out, let me, how can I work in a scripture verse here? You know, yes, indeed, that person is very short. You know what else is short? All of us have fallen short in, of the glory of God, and we've sinned. I don't know if you knew that or not. This is not try harder to work Jesus in the conversation so that you can sort of be open about your faith. What I'm calling us to is to examine our devotion. Let me tell it in a different way. In Texas, we love barbecue. Amen. Hallelujah. In Tennessee, we love barbecue. Amen. Hallelujah. There was one of my favorite places in Texas to eat barbecue. It's a place called Rudy's. And Rudy's Barbecue had 
incredible brisket and incredible turkey. And if I were really honest, I also really love these Rice Krispie treats they made, which were about the size of a Frisbee. They were giant and they were awesome. But something was true about Rudy's. They were always cooking in their smoker. And if you walked into the restaurant, the smoke was there. You couldn't necessarily see it in the air, but it would seep into your clothes. I kid you not, there were days when I would have a lunch at 11, but I'd have a meeting at 2 o'clock, and I'd bring an extra shirt to change after my lunch, because I was going to smell like smoke and Rudy's all afternoon. I would come home, and my wife would go, I know where you had lunch today. (laughs) It would just seep into your clothes, and I didn't have to say to her, I had lunch at Rudy's today. I walked in the room, and she knew it because it seeped into my life. So the question about would it surprise people in your circle that you're a Jesus person, that isn't a call to try harder to talk about God more. The call this morning is that you would lean into devotion more, that you would abide in Him, that you would dwell in His presence, that you would bask in His Word, that you would pray often, that you would be still in His presence and just be with Him so much that He would seep into you. And so when you reach for the doorknob and you leave the house and you go out and you do your day at work, in meetings, with baristas, in servers at restaurants, at your team, with your coaches, with your teachers, with your professors, they don't have to ask and you don't have to say a lot because who you are has been affected by who you've been spending time with. And as much as I smelled like Rudy's because I spent time there, your life will look and smell like Jesus as you spend more time with him. So if it would surprise anybody in your circle that you're a Jesus person, invest in getting alone with him more. Invest in worshiping him more without a crowd or a band. Invest in his word more and let Jesus seep into you. People will know to whom you belong. Would you bow your head and pray? Just between you and God, we're not going to have any kind of visible response this morning for this. But would you talk to God for a moment about your devotional habits, about your private moments of worship? about your Bible reading, about your times in prayer, or just being still before him. Between you and God, how, how, how are your habits for delighting in the Lord and abiding in him, resting in him, soaking in him? I don't know your life, but just whatever's the story for you on that. Talk to God. Make some commitments. Make some plans. Move toward Him. And would you tell God right now, God, as as I identify more with you, as I clean up my choices and I start to live more righteously and more godly, I I know that resistance is going to come. I know it's always not going to go over well. 
I may even be mistreated, but I trust you. And I can't, but you can give me strength for it. And I'm ready to endure what you need me to on earth because I am so thankful for the not yet, but the kingdom of heaven that is to come. So God, however you want to use me with 11 decades or not even one more decade, I will not fear. I will simply follow. Trust you, God. And with your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you are in a moment of persecution right now, if 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 you are being mistreated, I just want to pray for you. God, I'll pray for those who are being left out and mistreated or abused or, or lied about or insulted or threatened because they're trying to live a Christ-like life. I pray, Lord, that you would come to their rescue. I pray that you would help them to suffer well. I pray, Lord, that you would give them a peace about heaven. And I pray, Lord, for the ones insulting them and persecuting them and leaving them out and the ones lying about them. Lord, may the testimony of your righteous ones lead those people to faith. And may there be new believers in offices and schools and on teams all over this city. Because your people have not backed down from following you when it got hard. Do that, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand up? We're going to sing a song. And the song is going to make you think about some people from the Bible named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They were in a foreign land and they were just trying to follow God, but they were thrown into a fiery furnace. They were persecuted for trying to do what was right. But they were not alone. There was another one in the fire. Let's sing.